The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey everyone, Matt Straub welcoming you to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. This is the Week 15 Whip Around episode. we got a lot to cover here. We're going to start out talking with Tommy Beer about the state of the New York Knicks, including struggles of Mitch Robinson and the recent rise of Alfred Payton. We will talk with Ryan Knaus about the Derrick Rose renaissance and a little bit of fantasy basketball strategy. And we'll close things out by talking buy low and sell high with Dr. A. We get things going with Tommy. Tommy, what have you on your mind? Figured we talk a little bit about the New York Knickerbockers. Okay, okay. Um, not much pretty to talk about, um, <laughs> unsurprisingly. But uh, as we know, as with all bad teams, there's always some fantasy goodness to uh, to uh, call from the rubbish, from the ashes. Um, <laughs> and I think uh, one such player is Alfred Payton. Um Elf has done a uh, solid job. Really, uh, you know, been one of the uh, the better assist guys in the league uh, of recently. Basically, since he's inherited the starting position, um, due partly to the fact that Dennis Smith Jr. has been awful. Um, it basically looks like he might be out of the league sooner rather than later, which is devastating from a Knicks perspective, considering he was the one player they received in a trade for Kristaps Porzingis. Um, but that is a discussion for another day. Um, and Frank Nielakina has been solid, but not great. Um, you know, you kind of know what you're getting with Nielakina, really solid defensively, um, a much better reality player than he is from a fantasy perspective. Um, but you add all that up and you have Alfred Payton starting and, and averaging nearly 30 minutes a night. Um, on the negative side of the ledger, um, he remains a terribly inefficient offensive player, he can really destroy your free throw percentage. You're shooting just 51% from the floor, uh, from the free throw line this season, um, and, and under 42% from the field. Uh, that's the negatives. But from a positive perspective, um, dating back uh, over the last nine games, he's uh, dished out at least five assists in each of those nine contests, um, averaging 7.6 assists to go along with 9.3 points. He's a good rebounder for a guard as well. He's at 4.6 rebounds, 1.6 steals. He's actually at 0.8 blocks, which is a bit surprising. And uh, also encouraging for a uh, um, a point guard, uh, his relatively limited turnovers, uh, only two uh, two turnovers per game. So uh, seven point six to two assist to turnover ratio is definitely very favorable. Um, and uh, you know it doesn't give you any three pointers, um, but again uh, in points leagues he's very valuable. In nine cat formats he does hurt you um, with the lack of threes and those those terrible free throw percentages. But if you're one of those dudes that's tanking one of those categories um, and or you're in a points league, I think Peyton might be a little bit undervalued uh, as of now. Well, before you said that's a discussion for another day about Dennis Smith Jr., I was ready to rip up the format and just go down that road. I was ready to fully <laughs> unpack that that decision and just, wow, the, the idea that that guy could be out of the league soon is just kind of mind-blowing. And I, I just had to hit that before we, we move on to Alfred Payton. Uh 
Yeah, and you cited those numbers. He's even been even better the last five. Nearly 10 points, 9 assists, 1.2 steals, 1.4 blocks. The nice thing about the free throws is, as you said, not good, but he doesn't get to the line very often. True, true. So in January, he has one game where he had eight attempts, but he also has one, two, three, four, five, six. Looks like seven games where he has had zero attempts from the free throw line. Good and point. You love to see that <laughs> in this case. Yep. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely a flawed stat line, but he's doing enough in the in some of those counting stats, and especially assists, obviously a really hard category to yep. to get. So I'm on board at the moment, as long as he's getting these kind of minutes. The only issue is, you know, you definitely got to keep in mind and be cognizant of is the fact that the trade deadline is quickly approaching um, and he's one of those veterans that the Knicks would certainly move uh, for a reasonable price for a team looking for a depth, um, you know, for a backup point guard. He's, he, he has, he is talented enough. Um, if he's on a team that has plenty of shooters, you can kind of hide his flaws. I, I think he's a, would be an upgrade over a bunch of backup point guards in the league. Um, so we'll see if the Knicks make a decision, um, you know, one way or another regarding that. Um, that would certainly open up minutes for Frank Nielakina and the aforementioned Dennis Smith Jr., um, who would have a chance to kind of resuscitate his career, which is, um, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, slowly but surely uh, has, has you know, really gone in the wrong direction. And if you kind of watch Smith's body language and, you know, in practices and, you know, just kind of speaking with the media, um, he really seems to have kind of checked out. It is an ugly situation uh, in New York for Dennis Man, Jr. Is he, is your sense that he's more hurt or more checked out or both? More checked out. It sounds like he's healthy now. I think, uh, honestly, if you gave the Knicks truth serum, they would prefer him to be hurt up until the February 6th deadline so they could kind of, or at least come back maybe a game or two before to show that he's healthy because I don't think they want him sitting on the bench collecting deserved DMPs. Um, you know, that that could kind of, you know, I think obviously they would prefer a team to kind of be suckered into the potential that he, you know, that he does have. And he does have, you know, decent potential. He's an athletically gifted point guard, never was going to be an efficient scorer in the league. Um, but um, this season could not have gone much worse. And, uh, you know, it sounds like he has been told that the Knicks will do everything they can to trade him and find a position for that he could get minutes. Um, but he just hasn't played well enough to, for another team to, to give him minutes other than a team, you know, kind of that is in a similar situation to the Knicks, but um, the Knicks are in rebuild mode as well. So if they can't find an excuse to get him on the court, it's difficult to see another team do it. Man, talk about if they trade him, this would be a, a massive sell low situation. <laughs> yeah, but it's one of those things where, I, I, you know, they he actually could get his value could get lower um, if he continues to play. I mean, the guy's shooting 30 percent from the floor. Um, his decision making has improved, um, hasn't really improved much from the um, from a defensive perspective. So, you know, a fresh start could, you know, kind of revitalize him and, and, and kind of kickstart. Um, you know his career a little bit, but I, I don't I don't see, and yes, it would be very difficult for the Knicks to uh, acknowledge the fact that they're selling low. But um, you know, at some point, you just kind of have to do what's best for the you know for the franchise. All right, another guy I think we were going to talk about in need of some revitalization would be one Mitchell Robinson, a guy that you and I were both very high on coming into the season, and let's just say the month of January at least has not been the kindest. Yeah, um, I'm certainly more encouraged about Mitchell Robinson than this Mitch Jr. Um, there's there's every reason to believe that Mitch Rob will rebound and, and have a you know a, a productive, relatively productive second half. Um, again, he's another guy that could really benefit from the Knicks making some moves with their veterans. You know whether that be um, Taj Gibson. 
Um, that would certainly be the ideal scenario. Um, you know, them, them trading away Taj Gibson would clear a path to a starting center spot for, for Mitch Robb. Um, even if they traded Marcus Morris, that would clear up some front court minutes um, and or Bobby Portis um, would increase his playing time as well. Um, but, you know, Mitch Robb's still one of those guys where he's probably not going to play 33 you know, minutes a night, even if he was starting due to the foul trouble that he that he tends to get into. He's done a better job of that recently uh, prior to fouling out um, Sunday night over the previous it's five games. He was averaging uh, only averaging one point um, eight uh, fouls. Um, over the, that five-game stretch. So, uh, you know, certainly had, you know, made some progress in that regard. Uh, but the issue is he's just, he's not scoring enough. He's still giving you a really solid free throw percentage, and he's a decent free throw shooter, um, even though we really haven't seen that much over the last month in January, shooting under 60%. And uh, unfortunately, not as many blocks as we'd like. Um, over his last, uh, over the 13 games that he's played in January, He's averaging 22.8 minutes, 14 games rather, um, averaging 22.8 minutes, but only 1.5 blocks and 5.6 rebounds. So um, he's not quite at that, that same block and, uh, and rebound rate that he was last season. The positive sign, I guess, if you're looking for, is he's doing a little bit better job of sticking to a team defensive concept. He's not chasing perimeter blocks as often, um, you know, not getting up in the air as much, which has limited his foul troubles, um, but also has kind of limited his uh, his block rate um, and rebound rate as he's doing a little bit better sticking to team concepts. All right, so on New Year's Day, he went 11 for 11 from the field against the Blazers, 22 points, 8 boards. Since then, he has not attempted more than 7 shots in a game. And obviously, he kind of makes his living off of lobs. And, I mean, that should be enough. Like, is, is this – I don't subject myself to watching the Knicks uh, every <laughs> night. I mean, is, you, is this kind of just a function of them being dysfunctional? I mean, he, he, you throw it near the rim, and, and that dude is more, more than likely going to throw it down. Yes, agree with you. Um, the fact that he's averaging over the last 13 games just 4.3 field goal attempts is a, an indictment, um, I think, of the coaching staff to a certain extent. You have to, you have a weapon like that. Can, that you know, you, they talk about you know, speedy receivers that can kind of stretch the field um, and take the top off the of defense. That's kind of what Mitchell Robinson can do uh, from an offensive basketball perspective. You know, he just really challenges the, you know, the, a team's defensive game plan vertically just because you can you – know, the fact that they don't run more pick and rolls with as successful as – Neil Aquina and uh, and Mitch Robb have been on, on pick and rolls. Understandably, teams are, are game planning against that. Um, they're kind of challenging, you know, the Knicks to do something else because they're not, obviously not a you know terrifically efficient offensive team. Um, but still, you have to keep on doing it um, because again, the guy shooting seventy five percent from the floor, he's going to be successful more times than not. And he's, you know, part of the future. I do think after the trade deadline again um, that, uh, you know, the Knicks are already 20-plus games under 500. Um, fans are going to get frustrated. There's there's really no reason uh, for the Knicks to kind of focus on the Gibsons and, and Mook Morrises of the world. But again, there's, there's, there's kind of uh, conflicting priorities there. You know, Mike Miller understands that this is his one and only chance in his life to prove that he's a, uh, an NBA, a, a guy that's worthy of being an NBA head coach. You know, Steve Mills and Scott Perry, the president and general manager respectively, are probably have their jobs on the line as well. So they're eager to, in April, go to owner Jim Dolan and say, listen, you know, we didn't win 30, you know, 40 games and challenge for the AC, but we won 32 and won, you know, finished, a, you know, at 500 over the final 30 games of the season. Clearly, we're making progress. Give us one more year to prove to you 
Um, so there's that that kind of conflicting, which does not speak well of the ownership and the 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 mess that the Knicks have become over the last few years. Obviously, uh, the team and the organization stroll be on the same page. This is a rebuilding situation. Winning a you know four extra games in February is not going to make a difference. If anything, let's throw our kids out there. Let's throw Mitch Rob out there. Let's let him shoot a couple three pointers. Let's get him some you know open fifteen footers because he's a decent free throw shooter. Um, if teams sag off, um, we'll see if that actually manifests itself in the second half of the season. Yeah, but it sounds like you are still relatively optimistic that he can have a big second half and you're not selling low where you ended up with him on your roster. Agreed. I'm not selling low. I I, I will temper the optimism by saying, you know, the top 25 uh, overall nine cat guy that we thought coming to the season. I don't see that happening, certainly. Um, but I do think there's a good chance that he can be a top 60, top 75 guy. And I think his floor is around top 100 overall, um, as long as, you know, seeing just, you know, just 22 minutes a night. So for that reason, I'm not willing to sell sell low. Um, again, even when he's playing poorly, he doesn't really hurt you in any categories because he's going to get you some blocks and boards. Uh, I think that floor is high enough where I don't feel pressured to sell low, especially due to the fact that I do see uh, an avenue to a top 50-ish, uh, you know, final 30 games a season and some, some quality games in the fantasy playoffs. While other guys are kind of paring down their minutes, his minutes should be increasing over the final month of the season. And I mean, you're tempering your enthusiasm, but it's still the same guy who was so good down the stretch last season. So I mean, I think the top 25 is one of the possible outcomes. I think you're just saying you don't think it's likely, but I do think it's possible for sure. Agreed. I wouldn't rule it out. But again, that's part of that has to do with the fact that Mook Morris gets traded. Because remember, he was a top 25 guy last year when they had nobody on the roster. Now they do have some talent. You know, RJ Barrett is a a relatively high usage rate guy. Bullock, you know, gets a lot of shots from the perimeter. Alfred Payton, you know, is, is, you know, better finding uh, Morris on the perimeter. Um, Morris is a guy that's going to, you know, take, you know, 17, 18 shots a night. So there's just not as many open scoring opportunities unless the Knicks really do clean house. But as long as Barrett and Morris are healthy and Peyton, et cetera, and are still on the team and Bullock, et cetera, um, there's just not as many opportunities on a team that was gutted and just had, you know, basically was, you know, playing with 10-day contracts, Kadeem Allen type guys over the, over the final, you know, four weeks of last season. Team Allen, I didn't know we were going to get that game, that name in here today. Uh, I think you had one more name you wanted to hit before we get out of here. It just Reese, because just we were texting back and forth, and somebody asked me about it recently uh, in a, a YouTube a Twitch rather Q and A last night. Um, was just Zion Williamson, kind of the hype on Zion Williamson, and you know, would you consider selling high? And I think it's an interesting concept. Personally, I wouldn't. I have my two teams, and I I don't have the gall to 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 sell any shares of him just because he's so exciting. And but I do think there is a certain definite um, there could be a benefit to selling high because of the hype. You got to figure this guy. You know, he shot three of eight from the free throw line. He's shooting below forty percent from the free throw line. Was a terrible free throw shooter at Duke. You know, made his first four free throws. A uh, first four three pointers, rather in his debut, hasn't made one since. Um, he was not a great outside shooter. He's still going to put up a high field goal percentage, give you blocks and rebounds and and all that good stuff. Um, but if somebody's willing to give you a, you know, um, if you're risk averse. Um, and you have a good team, and you're not worried about if you'd rather just a, a, a higher floor guy. Um, I think there are opportunities to trade away Zion for a little bit more of a secured asset. Yeah, as a fellow lefty myself, his his outside shot mechanics make my jump shot look like Chris Mullins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know you were a lefty. 
Yeah, left. Well, shoot lefty, throw righty. I'm a strange. I'm yes, a strange yes, case. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. So as far as his value is concerned, yeah. I mean, I think I would be open to it. I don't yes. think you need to be running around. You know, sending a Zion trade offer to everyone in your league because I think right. that comes off as a little bit sweaty and a little bit desperate. But yeah, I mean. You're here at this point where he's averaging 19 points and eight boards through his first three games at just 22 minutes. I don't think you can ask for much more. You haven't faced a situation yet where he's been he's sat out. He is one tweak away from sitting out for who knows how long. The injury thing is another reason why I wouldn't, you know, like that you got to be scared about that. That he's just, he still looks a little doughy. I, I was surprised when he, in his first game back, he didn't look a little bit slimmed down. He seems, you know, and, and the Pelicans seem content playing him at that weight. I just think for his long term health, he's got to lose another, you know, 15 pounds or so. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing is, you know, as, as good as he was in preseason. Um, I, if I recall correctly, that did not include uh, him blocking shots. And right. he has one block in three games. So is that part of his game going to translate to the NBA? I think is still an open question. But yeah, so I think all things considered, yeah, you have a chance to capitalize on the hype. But, you know, I would try to avoid being desperate about doing so. Yeah, I might just throw out an email, you know, especially if you see, you know, one of your league mates getting all fired up about, about Zions. But listen, I might consider moving him for the right price, you know, kind of kind of slow play it that way. Right. It's funny, like, as transparent as that is, it still kind of works, you know what I mean? 100%. 100%. <laughs> all right. Well, if you want to follow Tommy on Twitter, it is at Tommy Beard. Tommy, thank you as always, man. Have a good one. Be good, Matt. Take care. All right. See ya. All right, uh, we now have 10 minutes and 24 seconds to talk to Ryan Knauss before my memory card runs out. Ryan, what is the latest? Well, before you bring it up, Matt, Derek Rose has been awesome lately. I acknowledge that. You like to uh, to come at me for, for being down on him despite his... Now you bring it up, though. Play. I am. I'm, I'm get, getting ahead of the narrative here. Right. Um, but, I mean, past six games, he's been top 50, super efficient, almost 24 points per game, seven dimes. He's even getting a couple steals and threes, which has always been a sort of bugaboo for him in fantasy. Um, so I, I've, I will concede I've been too down on him. But I don't really regret it because someone, I mean, he sat out uh, Monday's game with a knee injury. And someone prior to that had written, and I swear this was not me. Uh, in, in, someone, in, in, your nom someone, de plume. Yeah, someone, someone in a blurb wrote, "He's a trade candidate, a load management candidate, and a shutdown candidate." That sounds like Steve. Yeah, probably. But as long as he's playing for the Pistons and putting up numbers, you have to start him. Yeah. Um, so, so that that sums up my position. He's he's got this trifecta of risk that I'm not willing to trade for him. Sure, if he's you know if you picked him up, you're thrilled with the production, but you're not gonna you just kind of ride it until the wave peters out, and that's it, right? Yes, and thank you for keeping our water analogy going as much as yes. possible. I appreciate that. <laughs> Try it. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're getting on board, like, right in time for probably things to fall apart. Oh, I'm not on half. board. Oh. I'm, just, I'm just conceding that he's been oh. good lately. Okay. All right. Very clear. Not on board, but conceding. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Um, but anyway, with Rose out of the way, I'm wondering, how much do you think about schedules when you say orchestrate a trade or mm -hmm. consider the waiver wire mm -hmm. we, we we talk about it a lot on draft day which teams have good or bad schedules we all know you know you can look maybe your your head-to-head uh, -head playoffs are weeks 21 through 23 etc is this something you look at emphatically or is it just something you kind of back into i'm going to say a lot less than i used to and as more of my Same more here. of my much most of my leagues now are daily lineup changes 
and I'm just less worried about it with daily lineup changes. When when you know for for a number of years there, I feel like a lot of us were mostly playing weekly leagues. But I think with the way that players rest now randomly and all the things that happen, we've realized that's ridiculous. We need to be playing in leagues with daily changes for that reason. Yes. And so with that in mind, I just don't obsess over the schedule. It's nice when a guy has four games and it's annoying when he only has two games, but I will not let that affect my decision-making because I try to build a team that's deep enough to weather those schedule storms. That's I like goal. that. I, I think to, to your point about guys resting randomly, sometimes you'll see a four-game uh, slate coming up for one of your stars but you realize oh crap that involves a back-to-back they're probably going to sit sit out a game anyway so that's it might as well be a three-game week right so right yeah I, I i lean less into that also a couple years ago the nba changed the schedule to eliminate a lot of back-to-backs uh those three game and four night stretches so it's much more equitable i feel like mm-hmm. there it's not as lopsided as it used to be so you don't really have these huge swings um, but I was curious. So I looked at our teams. We, I think we're in three leagues together. I looked at the Roto World Staff League. Playoffs run 21 uh, weeks, 23. There are eight teams that play nine games in that span. Only four teams play 11 times. And then the other 18 teams all play 10 games. So, right, there's not that much disparity between them. Mm-hmm. And I looked at your roster. And in fact, you only have one player with 11 games, Kemba Walker. One okay. player with nine nine games, Derek Rose, and the the entire rest of your seventeen player roster all plays ten times. So I was like, did did Matt engineer this? Because that's it's incredibly balanced. What a genius! Yes, yeah. not, no, no, I did not. Definitely okay. not. Um, gotcha. But that is good to know. Speaking to your your plan of just developing depth, I mean, yeah, you could pivot in any direction at that point. Yeah, so I think you and I need to discuss um, Brandon Ingram for a couple of reasons here. You recently, I'll start by saying you recently asked me about a Brandon Ingram trade. You were like, I'm thinking about trading him for Ben Simmons in this points league that I'm in, in the Roto World Live (laughs) Draft League that we did the live draft in, that we broadcast the live draft. And should I do it? And I looked at it. I, I did a little research for it. I was like, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. You know, Simmons is is durable, and they're really putting up about the same uh, points in that format. Fantasy points, yeah. Right, in a points league. So then I get an alert the next morning that this trade has happened. The only issue is I'm not in that Roto World Live Draft League uh, because <laughs> I was at the side table with Tommy Beer. We were not drafting. We were commentating. So this alert was in the Roto World Staff League, which is where you actually made that trade, which is a nine-category league. Now, the interesting thing is, and, and what I really want to talk about here, is that Brandon Ingram has gone into a, a mildly alarming slump since the yeah. return of Zion Williamson, and I want to get your thoughts on that. Well, first, I'll address the confusion. I, I actually <laughs> thought that that was in the live draft league, and then I woke up to accept it because I couldn't accept it for some reason that, that night. So I woke up went to accept it and was like, oh, right, this is the wrong league. <laughs> but fortunately, the league where I had proposed it, I was punting free throw percentage anyway. Ben Simmons makes all the sense in the world there. And I kind of foresaw Zion hurting Brandon Ingram a little bit. So, yeah, I just I made the trade. I, it still made sense. Man, where I, were you I when... am. What's that? Oh, you foresaw this. Where were you when I was trading Kawhi for Brandon Ingram a couple weeks ago? <laughs> oh, sorry. Yes, which I said, definitely do that. <laughs> <laughs> that has not well, gone well. That that's gone more well. 
that that was more being scared about Kawhi late in the season, but I mean he's been a monster recently, so right. I, I guess yeah, I'm I'm still gonna try to trust the process on that one. I keep telling myself when he sits out ten games in February, I'm gonna feel a lot better about it. Yeah, but, I'm sure you will. But yeah, let's talk about Ingram and Zion a little bit. Um, your thoughts? So Ingram was coming in with 29% usage throughout the season. Uh, I looked at two two of the three, the first two games that he played with Zion. He had, I think, 23% usage, and that was spiked by he had four turnovers, so probably would have been sub-20%. The next game, he had 24%, something like that. So his usage has taken a big hit. He's just not having the ball in his hands quite as much. He doesn't have quite as much space to attack the paint because Zion's, you know, clogging everything up. Defenses are collapsing. So if his outside shot isn't falling, he's going to have a little bit of trouble. You know, I'm not super worried long term. He's been a first round value the whole way, so I don't think Zion's going to bump him off that much. But I don't think you can expect that, you know, top 15 value any- anymore. Maybe it's top 30. So owners might have to live with that. Yeah, so bad times. Uh, I mean, I, I also think there may be a little bit of a small sample size thing going on, and he also has just hit a little bit of a slump. Like he shot, I think, six for 22. For sure. Six for 22 in that first game with Zion back. And that's really the only. The alarming thing for me is that his field goal attempts the last couple of games have been right around like 12 or 13 or something like that the last two games, I think. Um, yeah, that's right the usage that? issue. Yeah, that's the, yeah. the usage issue. And I mean, he was getting hot late in that last game, and it ended up being a pretty lopsided game. So he was coming on. He had some foul trouble, uh, ended up with 16 points, but actually foul trouble the last couple of games. So I guess... I mean, man, I mean, almost in some sense, maybe you're looking at a good buy low when we start to get this concerned about a really good player. If anything, I think I just yeah. doubled down. I'm, I'm doubling down. Okay. I think, I think, Ingram, <laughs> I think Ingram's going to break out of this. I like this. You went from concerned yeah. about your trade to buy low on this guy. Yeah, I'm going to make like five trade offers for Ingram. Nice. Yeah. Uh, did you have anything else in the remaining uh, two minutes and three seconds that we have? Uh, sure, I could throw some names out there. What okay. What are you doing with Miles Bridges, if anything? Do you still own him? I cut him in a league recently. I, I couldn't do it anymore. Wow. Uh, that, that that game overseas when he was benched and I think went scoreless or something and with minutes in the teens, I'm like, I'm out. He is one of the players conspiring to ruin my season in the 30 deep league, which I won last season, but I am having a major championship hangover this year. And Bridges has been one of the culprits I would stick with him. I think with Charlotte. So go back and pick him. Go back in time and undrop him, Ryan. Uh, no, I I think with with Charlotte being so bad, I just feel like he's going to be like a March All Star again, just like he was last year. That would be my guess. But I understand okay. people can't wait. I would try to. Stick I was going to say that's that's a tough message to sell someone who's sitting ninth in their league and trying to make the playoffs, and you're like, ah, just just hang in there. Oh yeah, no. In that case, you might have to move on. But if you have the luxury yeah. of waiting, I think it would be worth waiting. Um, we got about thirty seconds left. Anything else you want to discuss, real quick? No, just that I don't have faith in Karis Levert. Do you? Yes or no? No, no, no. I've been okay. I've been out for a minute there. Just bad percentages, turnovers, just not great counting stats. What I know people love him, but what is there really to love from a fantasy standpoint? I have no counter argument. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, if you want to follow him on Twitter, it is at Canals underscore RW Ryan. As always, thank you so much. Thanks, Matt. Boom. Got it under the wire. Sweet. <laughs> By like four seconds. Okay, so it's there's a bunch of us. Okay, yeah. so you're bringing in the closer. We are bringing in the closer as we speak. Steve Alexander, Doctor A is here. Steve, are are we buy, buying low and selling high? 
Uh, apparently we are, yes. Did you have another thing you wanted to say before we did that? Um, no. Okay, let's do it. What, what, what do you got? This whole James Harden uh, issue with his three-point shooting, his shooting in general, some of his lack of offense in games, and now he's got this injury that's kept him out for two straight games. It's a, it's a thigh issue. Um, I posted a poll on Twitter that, and it said, uh, I said, who'd you rather have for the rest of the regular season? And it was Luca. Harden. Oh, shocker. It was Luca Harden, Trey, oh, and okay. Russell Westbrook. And uh, Luca had 60, and I think Harden came in at like 30%. Okay. And, you know, Gallagher commented on there that he was shocked that Harden was so low and that Harden's playoff schedule is actually better than Luca's, and Luca hasn't exactly been killing it lately. Anyway, Houston's playoff schedule is a little bit better than Dallas's. So making a trade, and I think they play two more games as well between now and then. So trading Luca for Harden right now probably makes a lot of sense. It's not something that, as the president of his fan club, I'm allowed to do. No, no, but no, you're not. It's something that I think people should be thinking about at least. You would have so much answering to do to the, the shareholders and members of the Luca fan club if you did that. Yeah, I, I can't do it. I mean, I, I don't want to do it. I, I, the, here's the thing about Luca and, and and this season. It, and I know you love talking about Luca, but like I drafted him everywhere this year because I was able to get him at the end of round one or in the middle of round two, and that's that's not going to be the case ever again. So this is my one year to really run this as far into the ground as I can, which I'm doing a pretty good job of, I think. You're doing an outstanding job. But yes, I would <laughs> definitely trade him for Harden, but I understand why you can't. Uh, any other players that you got on your mind? I think Kevin Porter Jr. with the Cavaliers, it's time to give him a look. He's back. He was back on Monday. He's been out with a knee injury. Uh, he's on a minutes limit right now, so it's not like you you have to run out and pick up KPJ. And throw him in your lineup. But man, once Kevin Love gets traded, once once the Cavaliers finally throw in the towel and just turn the kids loose, I think Kevin Porter Jr. could be a mini monster for the last month of the season. I, I like that too. I'm on board with that as well. He was playing pretty well in December. Uh, pretty good percentages for a rookie, at least field goal percentage. And yeah, he could be definitely one of those one of those rookies where things just take off for him after like I don't know March 1st or something like that that's kind of where the the switch flips for a lot of players on bad teams sometimes yeah and and you know one of his teammates Larry Nance has been making some noise lately he did not play well in his last game but prior to that he was playing pretty well and he's another guy that there's no reason he should not be playing tons of minutes for that team I mean Tristan Thompson the KG veteran and Kevin Love the the often banged up, much maligned veteran. Like the, once those two guys are out of the way, it should just be all Larry Nance and all all KPJ. I like it. You got any more names on your list? I've got a lot. Uh, I don't know how many more you want to talk about, but your your man Cam Reddish. Uh, oh, yeah. Cool story on Cam. I was I'm in a head to head league and I was hurting for some games played and needed assists really bad, so I dropped. Cam Reddish at like 3 o'clock in the morning, which I didn't feel that good about 
couple days later, and I was like, oh, man. And you know, when you drop a guy in Yahoo, you can't put in a waiver claim for him. You Really? I think you can. In the league, this league that I'm in, it says you cannot do it. Really? Uh, you have to wait until he clears waivers, hmm, and then that, you can I, try to get him. I think that's a specific setting, but... Well, and that's sure. that league that's got those weird settings, man, where, like, you pick up a guy, you don't get him for two days, and it, oh, it's yeah. the whole thing. There's there's weird settings. But in that one, I can't you can't put in for a guy you cut. Uh, so I was like, well, there's no way that these, these vipers, these uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? These – I guess vipers works. There's no way these vultures are going to let Cam Reddish uh, – go through the waiver process and and I'm never going to get him back but somehow last night he was sitting there you know at crack of dawn and I went and picked him back up so I feel like I dodged a bullet there I'm sticking with with your boy Cam Reddish the rest of the way and I'm not sure he belongs in a buy low sell high conversation as much as he does a pick him up off the waivers uh conversation but however you you can get him I think getting Cam Reddish for a young Hawks team that's Really going nowhere right now uh, is the way to go. Totally on board with that. And I just want to say, it seems like the commission in that league might be on a bit of a power trip with all these waiver, uh, these restrictive waiver rules. You know, I don't think it's a power trip. It is more of a, this is the way we've done it for 20 years, and uh, that's the way it is. And so it's a 20, it's a two-decade-long power trip. <laughs> it's a long, it's been a long, it's been a long-standing league. So yes, a couple other quick names I'll throw out there. Right. Our, our guy... Our Shirzy man, Danwell House, oh. went crazy on Monday, as did Eric Gordon, but comes with a huge caveat because yeah. James Harden, Clint Capella, uh, Russell Westbrook, all out. So it makes sense that House, did, who didn't shoot it well, but he had three threes, uh, 21 points, 11 boards, five steals. Like, Matt, those are the kind of numbers that get us... Uh, very excited about jerseys. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah, I, it's that was like a box score from like a for Houston. That was like a box score you'd see in like April. You know what I mean? <laughs> like what Eric Gordon scored fifty. I couldn't believe it when I saw that. But yeah, I mean, I like Daniel House, but it's kind of hard to get too excited given how much he generally gets ignored when they're at full strength with Eric Gordon back and everything. It's just kind of gotten ugly for him. It is it is hard. They they do have a good schedule. I think they play four three more games this week and then four next week, I believe. Uh one more and then uh, then I'll try to get out of here. But uh the Bulls with Thaddeus Young and Luke Cornett both getting a lot of run right now. People are kind of excited about Thaddeus Young and I think some people are intrigued by Luke Cornett. One thing to keep in mind is their schedule is kind of disastrous. They go two next week and then they go one when everybody else generally has two games uh and then the the following week everybody else has two and they play three which is good but then they play two games the week after that when everybody else is playing four so the next month schedule wise for bowls is really tough so i wrote about thaddeus and luke cornett that i think they're both um interesting guys to look at right now but if you if games matter, uh, you really need to uh, be careful there. Yeah, and, and it's funny. It, it's a good uh, stop or a good ending point because Ryan was asking me before about how I approach games played nowadays, and 
I think one way to look at it is like as a good tiebreaker. You know, for your look, you're thinking about, well, should I pick up Thaddeus Young or Luke Cornett? Then you see that upcoming schedule. That could potentially be the thing that sways you off of picking them up. And especially when it comes to like marginal guys like that. You know, I'm not going to let a schedule dictate whether I trade a stud off my team or a player I really like having on my team. But when it comes to waiver pickups, yeah, I could totally see how that might impact you. Yes, and then uh, did you guys talk about the Wolves uh, giving up that 17-point lead on Monday? Uh, we, we did not. Well, Matt, I don't, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but the Wolves were trailing, or the Wolves were beating the Kings last on Monday by 17 points with like 2 minutes and 39 seconds left in the game. And the Kings came back and won. And previously... Teams were 0 and 8,378 when trailing by 17 points with three minutes left in a game. Is that a fact? Since 1996-97, 0 and 8,378. Come on. That just sounds like the most dramatically made-up number. (laughs) It's not. It's legit. And the Wolves, the Wolves did this. Another interesting stat about your Minnesota Timberwolves. Yes, mine. Is that... They have lost 14 straight games in which Carl Anthony Towns has played. Wow. And I posted, I, I retweeted something on Twitter where they're interviewing Kat um, today about the, the epic historical collapse last night. And that dude, he, he is not pleased. He's sick of the media. I think he's sick of Minnesota all the way around. Like, I just have a really bad feeling about Carl Anthony Towns. And I've been saying that, I think, for two or three weeks um, I, to me, he's a sell high guy. I just, it just doesn't seem like things are going to end well there. Throw him and Bradley Beal into a bucket and throw it in the creek. <laughs> watch it, watch it drift away down the creek. That's not, that's not selling high. That is not sell, <laughs> that's not selling high. No, it's not. <laughs> but, but you can, you can sell them high. I mean, Brad Beal scored. What's he scored his last? His last four games are like um, 40, 36, 38, and 29. It's so high, man. I, I traded him for DeMar DeRozan. I don't know that that was a, a good deal for me or not. It, it, it is if he's shut down. It's probably not if, he, if he's not. All right, well, there you have it. If you want to follow him on Twitter, it is at Dr. A. Put a K in there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> you know how to find it. Steve, thanks, man. Man, it's been great. It's been wonderful. We'll see you next week. You got it. Peace. All right, that about does it for us. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you might listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. Mike Gallagher will be back on Friday with his regular episode. We're back on Monday with the Waiver Wire podcast. Thanks again to Tommy Beer, Ryan Knauss, and Steve Alexander for joining me. Thanks all of you for listening. Have a good rest of your week. Talk to you soon. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. 
because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the bacon cheese slider, 1921 bacon cheese slider, or chicken bacon ranch slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 bacon bundle. White Castle, follow your crave.